0: Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. love we bring into our marriages is just so beautiful. I have some friends who recently got engaged and uh, another couple that recently got married. And it's just so awesome to see the joy on their face, the excitement, the hope for the future. Uh, If you've seen the couples when they get engaged or they just get married, you can tell that they just want to be together, be together all the time. And they come in with great noble intentions. They want to serve each other, care for each other, help each other get to heaven. They have many dreams and hopes and plans. It's beautiful but it won't last. It's far from perfect and it will not last unless, unless Christ comes in and transforms. It takes the good that's there, but gives it deeper roots and transforms it into a deeper love. Uh, That initial love we bring into our marriages won't carry us through the trials and challenges that will come up in life unless Christ steps in and transforms that love. And that's what we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Three, And I had to tell you, I, I've had some Fun times recently, <laughs> you know, with COVID and everything, we've all been locked down, and I haven't done any speaking events since the end of February. But just last week, I got to give talks to a live audience. It was awesome. So it was up in the mountains in Colorado. There were a bunch of young adults together, and they were all outdoors and socially distanced. It was all healthy and safe and everything. But it was so fun to speak in front of an actual live audience for the first time in like three and a half months. Uh, I'm so grateful for that. I've also I'm also grateful for having had the chance to do a lot of digital events recently. Um, And I want to just throw this out there to you. Are you a part of a small group, like maybe a Bible study, or you're in a men's group or a women's group, or maybe you're in an RCA group or a mom's group, or maybe you just have a group of friends? Well, if you'd be interested, I am going around visiting various small groups around the country, around the world virtually. Uh, I've been doing some Bible studies recently with people around the country and people in Canada, Australia. I've got something scheduled for Singapore. Uh, so if you're interested in like a live virtual event for your small group, again, whether it's a Bible study group, men's, women's groups, RCAA group, whatever, whatever it might be, something at your parish, something with just a group of friends, uh, I can come by and I can do over, over the Internet here uh, kind of a live event where I'm leading people through a Bible study. We have time for interaction, time for question and answers. If you're interested in that, check out my website, edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. And you can learn more about that. I'd love to come visit your group. So back to our topic for today. I want to Talk about this idea of falling in love. You know, falling in love is easy. It just kind of happens to us, you know? Uh, You know, there's lots of emotions, warm, fuzzy feelings, romantic feelings, or sensual attraction. It's exhilarating. We just want to be together when we're falling in love. Uh, The ancients had a, a Greek word that they described, they used to describe this kind of love. And that word was eros. Eros was not something planned. It wasn't something you, you, you sought out. It wasn't something you willed. It was something that just happened to you. you. You notice someone and there's, boom, this spark of attraction. And then you're with that person. And there's just this rush of emotion, this delight to be with the other person, your beloved. And, and it, you don't have to really work at it. It just happens to you. It's wonderful. It's enjoyable. It's delightful. But there's a deeper love, a deeper love. And that is what the Greek, words, the Greek word agape described in the ancient world. Uh, This described the total committed love, a love that was committed to the person, Uh, not to what you get out of the person, but it was committed to just to them and to serve them. Uh, It was a committed, sustained love, uh, a sacrificial love. Uh, We may call it a self-giving love. This is the love that Jesus models for us on the cross. You see, the first kind of love, Eros, again, is really easy. And people talk about that falling in love. You know, uh, the ancients talked about when you have those powerful emotions, just give in to love, give in to your passions, yield to love. Uh, And they said this is what would bring about ecstasy. But it's interesting that the Bible rarely, rarely ever uses this word eros to describe love. You'll only find it two times in the entire Bible, and it's in the Old Testament. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, you'll find the word eros twice. In the New Testament, you never find eros, this view of love. Instead, the New Testament prefers the word agape, again, that total committed love. Uh, This this understanding of agape love is is what the Catholic Church emphasizes. If you want to get a definition of love, and it's so important we get this right, you know, if we don't get the most basic things right in life, our our life is going to be off, you know, so we want to get the most basic things right. And and love is is at the very center. You know, God is love. We seek love. We want to be loved. We want to give love. we got to make sure we get this right. Here's the definition of love from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, quoting the great St. Thomas Aquinas. I quote it often on the show. To love is to will the good of the other, to will the good of the other, to seek what's best for the other person. It's not about just falling in love. It's not about receiving powerful emotions, yielding to sexual attraction and and, and the sense of, of, of unity with this other person. That, that's that's not what the heart of love is. According to the Catholic Church, love is outward looking. It's not about what's going on inside me. It's about seeking the best of the other person. That requires a lot of work, a lot of intentionality, a lot of practice. And so the initial love that a couple brings to, to their marriage is, certainly has elements of agape in it. But as Pope Benedict emphasized, we want that initial love in marriage to be purified. It needs to be healed. It needs to be disciplined, he says. We have to train ourselves to love. And that's what the adventure of marriage is all about. It's a school of love where we're learning day in and day out how to love agape love, how to love like Christ love how to really live out this higher level of love. And and we need to purify ourselves from a a purely eros love, eros level of love. And how do we do this? We know we're going to have to do this through learning how to sacrifice, learning how to deny ourselves. And marriage gives us countless opportunities every day to do that. So this is what Pope Benedict says is the real ecstasy ekstasis is where the Greek word uh, ecstasy comes from, Ecstasis, which literally means out of oneself. And while the ancient pagan world sought ecstasy, kind of like a drug, kind of like an intoxication, you know, just seek this, this pleasurable, this emotional, this romantic feeling for yourself. And it's just amazing when you give into it. The Christian understanding of love, what Pope Benedict describes, the real ecstasy, ekstasis, going out of oneself is an exodus out of one's own selfishness, out of one's own self-centeredness. What does this other person do for me? What do I get out of them? And so that's the real test of love. When your beloved lets you down, when your beloved disappoints you, when your beloved didn't think through everything is the the way that you would have hoped they would have thought through it. When your beloved doesn't say thank you, when your beloved doesn't honor you and praise you, When you feel frustrated in your marriage, maybe lonely in your marriage, precisely in those moments when you feel misunderstood in your marriage, that your spouse just doesn't get it, in those moments, what do you do? That's when love is really tested, right? Because if love is just Eros, it's about what I get. (laughs) I get these feelings. I feel good about myself. I I I feel really close to this other person. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's all good. Pope Benedict emphasized that Eros is not bad. It's just that it needs to be purified. It needs to be uh, enhanced with agape. And so we need to move from just Eros to agape. And we go into our marriages with the mixture of both. And we want to bring agape ever more to the center of our marriage to get out of ourselves. What do I get out of this other person? So. Uh, Again, I want to highlight this. You know, uh, Pope Pope Benedict emphasizes this that eros and agape aren't completely separated. You know that uh, we're fascinated with this other person when we're falling in love, and we love those delightful feelings and the growing friendship and all that. And it's all great, but over time we become less and less concerned with self and more and more concerned with our beloved and seeking our beloved's happiness, and that's where agape is already starting to enter our love. So I want to talk practically now. How do we grow in agape love? How do we grow in agape love in, in, in just our friendships in general, but especially in marriage? Pope Benedict emphasizes that man cannot live this sacrificial, self-giving love on his own. He can't always just be giving and giving. He has to receive. And and I can't receive agape love fully from my spouse. My spouse cannot fulfill all my heart's deepest desires—they can't satisfy uh, my deepest longings in life. Only God can. I need to go to the source of agape love, the One who is agape love, the God who is love. I need to go to Him. He needs to fill me up. So that's the first practical thing I want to—I want to emphasize—is that oftentimes we—we we can go into our marriages, and I hear this, especially with younger couples entering their marriages. Uh, I, I hear stories of this that many of them will go into their marriages and then things get hard and they'll share about how, you know, now this, this other person isn't fulfilling all my needs or this, I'm not happy, I'm there, I have to work at this marriage. It's really hard, it's frustrating. And somehow that's like my beloved's fault. <laughs> it's as if they're, they're looking for their beloved to satisfy their needs. And, the, and that can never, uh, no human person can satisfy our heart's deepest longings. Only God can. And so if we don't get this point right, you know, and you can see this with young people when they're single, they just, I just want to be married. I want to be married. And that's, that's great. God put that on our heart. But if I think that my spouse is going to solve all my problems in life, now I'm going to be happy. Everything's going to work out. You're, you're in for a lot of disillusionment when you go into your marriage, we have to realize that only God can fulfill those deepest desires. And if I'm trying to get all of my needs met by my spouse, that's a recipe for disaster. And so, uh, I need to tank up with God, so to speak. I need to fill my heart with agape love. Secondly, how do I do that? Uh, We need to do that through a prayer life. I often talk on the show, the great importance of having a daily prayer life. I can't tell you how essential that is for marriage that you need as a husband. I want to speak to the men out there. You need time to pray every day. You will not be the husband God wants you to be. You will not be the father God wants you to be if you do not have time for prayer, and I mean not just saying prayers. I mean you've got like twenty minutes at least of quiet time, intimately talking with God, living in divine intimacy with Him, in friendship with Him. You're you're sharing from your life. You're listening. Maybe you're doing lectio divina, meditating on the scriptures, whatever it is. But there's an intimate conversation that's filling you up, and and, and you're and you're turning your heart and your troubles and your desires and your plans. You're surrendering all that to the Lord. And asking him to guide you, him to be the one to help you, him to be the one to encourage you, him to be the one to, to shape your life. And, and if you're filling up with God, then, then, then you have more to give to your spouse. You have more to give to your children. So men, I know you're busy, you're providing for your families, that's awesome, but you got to get up early in the morning and find time for prayer. Or, or, or in the middle of your day during the lunch break to find time for prayer. Or at night after the kids go down, you have to find that time for prayer. But gentlemen, I want to tell you. There's a second thing you need to do. You need to find time for your wife to pray. You can't expect your wife to be home raising the kids, you know, and and just being there and, and not having time for prayer. <laughs> you, you need to make sure that she has time for prayer each day. And if that means you get up early and you take care of the kids in the morning so that she can have a cup of coffee and get her prayer in. That that's great. Or you find time in the middle of the day for her in the afternoon, whatever it is, make sure your spouse finds time for prayer. And and wives, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to say basically the same thing, but in reverse order here. <laughs> you have to make sure you have that time. Fight for that time. I hope your husband will fight for you to have that time. But wives, you need that time. This is this is so crucial. When you get overwhelmed in life and 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 the pressures of life are there. Your spouse isn't going to be the one to satisfy, to help you with all that all on his own. You need to turn to God. You need to fill up with the Holy Spirit in daily prayer. You need that time every day, 20 minutes of prayer to find it. It could be while you're nursing a baby. Uh, it, it could be, you know, in, you know when you're at the park and you're just sitting there praying while kids are playing in the park, whatever it is, you know, you need that time moms for prayer in your life. And you do need to honor that that your husband gets time. work together, husband and wife, both of you, I'm saying this, find time that each person gets time for prayer each day. If you want to grow an agape love in your marriage, you've got to turn to the source of Agape love himself, Jesus Christ, in daily friendship with him, in conversation with him. I mean, think about it, husband and wife, if you don't if you go several days, you don't really talk to each other is your, what's going to happen to your friendship? There's going to be more friction, more tension, more misunderstanding. You're not going to grow. You need that time for conversation together. And, and if that's true for your marriage, it's so much more so for your relationship with God, your friendship with him. You need time to talk to him. You need time to listen to him. So we're talking practical points. How do I grow from eros to agape? How do I build in more agape love in the center of my love in my marriage? First of all, we have to remember only God can fulfill us. We can't. We can't turn to our spouse to fulfill all our needs. We talked about that. Secondly, we need to find time for prayer. Each couple, each husband-wife, each spouse needs time for daily prayer. We have to fight for each other to have that time. So important there. Third thing, uh, draw on the grace of the sacrament. There are real graces. Your wedding ceremony wasn't just the one moment of your sacrament and then you're done. (laughs) You know, it's no, no, there's a font of graces available to you all throughout your married life. Turn to the sacrament, draw upon it. There's graces there to help you live agape love. So in those moments when you feel misunderstood, those moments when you're hurt, those moments when you're frustrated, the moments when you're, you're discouraged about your married life, Pray, Jesus, give me the grace of the sacrament. Help me to love my spouse right now when it's really difficult to love them. Help me to love them with your love. I can't do this on my own. Jesus, help me to love my spouse with your love. The kids are driving me nuts right now. I am exhausted. Uh, I am overwhelmed and whatever you're feeling in those moments, draw on the grace of the sacrament. It's amazing. There's this, it's like, if I told you that there was a million dollars, you know, in, in your backyard and you're under a lot of financial stress and you're wondering about the money, but you, but you know, and, and you didn't know that there was a million dollars in your backyard, you, you'd be a little frustrated. Well, I, I I think that in our Catholic world, we don't really teach enough about the sacrament of matrimony. And so most Catholic couples don't know that there's a million dollars in their backyard, a million dollars of graces available to them, <laughs> uh, infinite amount of graces available to them in the sacrament. So that when they face times of crisis, not financially, but, but cri- fi- or maybe financially too, but the crisis in their marriage, challenges in their marriage, difficulties in their marriage, right there in the backyard of their own married life. There's a font of graces available to them. Call upon those graces to help you to love your spouse beyond what you could do on your own. Help, uh, draw on the grace to help you in times of conflict, in times of discouragement, in times when you're exhausted and overwhelmed or uncertain what to do. You have a big decision to make. Where do we put our kids in school? What do we do with this? Whatever the decision, draw upon the grace of the sacrament. That's That's so crucial. So these are just a few things to think about. Always remember your spouse doesn't fulfill your needs always make sure you find time for prayer. Thirdly, we just talked about draw upon the grace of the sacrament. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is pray for the opportunities to live sacrificial love each day, to notice the opportunities. The opportunities are always going to be there, (laughs) but to notice them, to be aware of them and to see that at that time when your spouse has a certain tone of voice, or that, or, or, you, or there's a breakdown with one of the kids and you're just wiped out from the day. Or the time when, you know, there's a misunderstanding between you and your spouse. Or your spouse, you know, didn't think through something and it affects you now. Look at those moments, not as frustrating moments as times to get mad or times to, to be angry, at times to build up walls. Look at those moments as opportunities to love like Jesus loves. That doesn't mean you're, you're a doormat and just let your spouse go on doing things that are not thoughtful or not kind. We're not saying that. And you may need to really be courageous. Maybe God's calling you to be courageous to call your spouse on things that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. But we want to make sure we see it as a spiritual reality. As you're encountering Jesus, how can I love like Jesus? How would He do it? He would do it maybe a little more patiently, a little gently. He wouldn't judge our hearts. He, tried, he might be trying to look at the larger picture and realize, oh, maybe my spouse is just stressed out right now, or maybe my spouse is having a bad day, or maybe my spouse is really tired right now, or maybe my spouse didn't really mean that when they said that or when they did that, to not judge their hearts. maybe Because Jesus wouldn't judge our hearts. Jesus wouldn't jump to all the conclusions. He'd have a heart of mercy and compassion giving us, he, he's so patient with us. He gives us space to make mistakes and he knows we're gonna make mistakes. And gently, like a loving father, he'll, he embraces us every time that we, we stumble and we fall and we say, sorry, he totally embraces us. Do, do you do that with your spouse? See the little difficulties, crosses, trials that just come up in marriage and family life, not as problems, not as just obstacles to, to your life. (laughs) See them as opportunities to encounter Jesus and love like he loves. Pray for that. Pray that you start to see those as opportunities to grow. That's one of the best ways that you're going to really grow an agape love in your marriage. Well, I hope this has been helpful. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, if, if you're in a small group, you know, uh, whether a men's group, women's group, Bible study group, and you'd be interested in this kind of virtual online event, uh, me leading you through a Bible study or doing a little talk and then having time for interaction, Q&A with your small group, uh, contact me. You can reach out to me at edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. You can go to my speaking page on my website, uh, so edwards slash speaking, and then you can find out the information about my online events that I'm doing. It's been so fun doing these with different groups around the world and hoping to continue being able to do those moving forward here. I'd love to visit you and your group. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. And you can always reach out to me also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks so much, my friends, and God bless.